Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know, nonstop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Well, this is actually uh, part of the Purple Daily family. It's time for Purple Access. Uh, Chip Scoggins and Tyler Fornes uh, rotate weeks for us on the show. It is Tyler's turn this week, which is a very good week to join us. Of course, you can find his work at uh, the Writing Home of Sports Dad as well, VikingsWire.com. Tyler constantly updating the site, does a fantastic job. If you're a Vikings fan, you want to check out this site because it basically is your one-stop shopping uh, for anything that is going on with the Purple and, of course, Declan Goff as well. Introduced last, but certainly not least. Tyler, what's up, man? And uh, let's start with this one. Let's start with Monday night. Let's go back. Uh, this team was not given a chance, basically, I think by most, certainly by me. I didn't think that they were going to beat San Francisco. They didn't just beat them. I thought it was also how they beat them the impressive play uh easily not even close the most complete game that we have seen from the vikings so going into sunday's game in green bay trade deadline on tuesday october 31st two days after that what are your feelings about this team now being one game from uh from four and four and coming off a game that really showed when they put things together this team looks damn good I think the biggest thing when you talk about what this team is after the game is they were finally able to do what we thought they could do all season. And it's just finish. And they finished, in my opinion, going into that game, the best team in the national football league. Um, I do power rankings every week and the 49ers were at the top. They dropped a little bit after the back-to-back losses. And I, it it's just so frustrating that they couldn't have done this sooner because I, I took a look and I'll give credit to Eric Thompson of Daily Norseman because I, I saw him put this on social media today. The Vikings have turned the ball over four of seven opening drives and they did so against the 49ers and they still came back to win. Like This team just continues to shoot themselves in the foot. And if they don't shoot themselves in the foot, it, you could make a realistic argument that this team is seven and all right now. And that's not how football works. You can't just take out a few plays here and there. And then all of a sudden flip the script and hey, you're undefeated. But that's why this team selling never a hundred percent made sense to me unless they ended up two and five or two and six, because then at that point, you're just so far back in the win loss column that it's going to be really hard to make up any sort of ground. The 2020 Minnesota Vikings started one and five and they tried but they were unable to make a playoff spot and they ended up picking, I believe it was 14th in that draft. They moved back to 23 and got to Christian Derrissaw. 
But the play on the field outside of the lack of discipline turnovers has been really good, and they've been competitive with the Eagles, Chargers, Chiefs, and they had chance to win all three of those games. So seeing this and them finally being able to put it together and string things along, I think solidifies that they believe that this is a really good football team and gives them confidence moving forward. And that's why being a buyer at the trade deadline is 100% in play. So Forno, I think what was also impressive in that win wasn't the fact that you know they, they marched their way back and clawed their way back. They were in control and basically controlled that entire game against, against what you're saying, probably the best football team in the NFL, where last year it was digging a hole, coming out in the fourth quarter, making epic comebacks. And I mean, is that fun? Yes, but it's not really a sustainable method as we're seeing as it's playing out right now in this season. I think what was so impressive was the fact that they established it early, and I know it got a little dicey at the end, and Greg Joseph maybe missed a kick or two, but in general, they went toe-to-toe with one of the best teams in the NFL, and I think that was probably what the coaching staff and management was saying all along, of no, 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 this team's damn good and we can compete, so let's not sell off any pieces by the trade deadline. Yeah, exactly, and sometimes it just takes a while to really figure things out and that you talk about the unsustainable method that they won last year they knew that they had a a talent shortage especially at certain positions and they had to be what Kevin O'Connell described as situational masters they had to master those situational elements in order to win football games because they just weren't that great of a team when you look at it from like a broad perspective they had aging guys on big contracts they started to shed those we're starting to see Uh, and why you have to give some of these rookie classes time to develop because guess what they're developing and they're starting to play well. A Caleb Evans is a solid starting quarterback in the NFL. Andrew Booth jr. Has played well in back-to-back games when given opportunities to play and you have Ed Ingram. We're going to talk about the offensive line here a little bit. Ed Ingram's been good and it's hard to say anything else. You can look at just the pressure number. The pressure number is a little high. But not all pressures are created equal. And a lot of these Vikings route concepts are so long that it's going to invite more PFF pressures just naturally because you have to block longer. And when you look at every little piece that talks about this Minnesota Vikings team, it's they had opportunities last year and they were able to take advantage of them this year. They're not taking advantage of as many. But overall, they're playing better football. And if you want to look at the DVOA, which that was a big point of contention last year, they're 16th, 14th on offense, 15th on defense, and they're 27th on special teams, which I thought was really low considering how good Greg Joseph was going in to last week. And Ryan Wright's been a pretty dang good punter. But this team is figuring it out with playing a lot of young talent. And if they're playing a lot of young talent now, That's when year three, which always felt like the crucial year for this franchise, is going to help move forward. And next year could end up being the year that we talk about is, hey, this is what we're going to see from Kevin O'Connell and Kwesi Dofamensa really moving forward. So as you said, um, the the offensive line by a lot of metrics now, so this is not just the eye test, the offensive line, which has been, you know, I think rightfully so in the past, criticized is playing outstanding uh they they did not give up a sack it was the first time this season that cousins has not been sacked in a game um they are not at fault for the fact that the run game is 30th 
how pleasantly surprised are are you by the fact that and I mean it starts with two tackles that are just damn good and we've been saying that for a year now those two tackles are just good but how pleasantly surprised are you that the interior guys including Cleveland when he plays and, and Reisner on Monday have actually played well and for the first time in a long time folks I think it's fair to say that the Vikings have Tyler a top five offensive line. <laughs> Like this, this offensive line's not good. They are legit good. Hats off to Chris Cooper, the offensive line coach. Uh, there was some frustration that they just didn't go get Mike Munchak and they had to get his protege. Because uh, it's like, okay, what, just go get Munchak. Why are we getting his assistant? Well, right. it's worked out pretty well. And he's maximized Garrett Bradbury. He's really helped the development of Ed Ingram and Ezra Cleveland. And obviously you have Darius O'Neill. So this offensive line is playing really well within themselves. They're protecting Kirk Cousins consistently. And yeah, there are warts. And th- the thing with offensive line play is you want to lose slowly. That That's the kind of the mantra motif of the position because you're going to lose. It's a fact of life. Lose as slow as absolute possible because you're under attack. The offensive line is basically defense, especially in the pass game because you're not attacking you're bracing yourself to receive impact and trying to prevent them from getting past you in the run game. It's a little different. That's where you get like your row graders and that there that's more of an attack position, but in pass blocking, you're you're protecting and they've done a really good job of that. And uh, Reisner played very well, but it was also evident to me that he wasn't as good as Ezra Cleveland. And a lot of it has to do with the movement skills and being able to pull and move gracefully that's just not his style he's going to be a phone booth guy where if i'm in a phone booth with you you're done i'm going to crush you because i don't have to move i can just basically grab you and throw you and just overpower you but the second you get those movement skills it's so incredibly different with him in cleveland cleveland like o'neill they're phenomenal movers and you have bradbury as well derisaw is a great mover ed ingram's a fine mover and he's the worst of the bunch but when you have those great movement skills, it allows you to do so many different things and climb to that second level and be able, they were doing like trap protections. So with trap plays, you have everybody flowing one way and you have one guy pulling to be, to trap that defender. And then that's your hole, but they were doing it in pass protection against Nick Bosa, but they were having Reisner do it. And Reisner's just not a good enough mover to be able to successfully do that. Whereas Ezra Cleveland is. And that's why like Reisner's a phenomenal, like, like a uh, swing guard. Paying him $2.25 million guaranteed for the swing guard. Well, we saw why it was pretty valuable on Monday night. And this offensive line as a whole has played very, very well. And you can argue that Christian Derrissaw is the best left tackle in football. Brian O'Neill, you could make an argument. I, th- I think this one's more of a loss because I think it's Lane Johnson, that he's the best right tackle in the NFL. Bradbury, his warts are a lot smaller now. And some of the big thing with the offensive line plays, we've talked about Judd. It's narrative-based. Vikings have had a bad narrative for a decade. It's hard for people to change that, and I'm glad to see that more and more are starting to come around and be like, hey, this offensive line is really good, and they are playing well, and now we've seen, what, about five consistent weeks of it? It's a great thing. So what do you do with Ezra Cleveland, Dalton Reisner? If one of, do, you, do you ride one of these two? Does, is one of them just basically your swing? I mean, offensive line injuries happen all the time, but 
Is this probably just a luxury at this point to have one of those two dudes potentially on the bench? Like what happens when Ezra Cleveland, if he indeed, I know he did walkthroughs on Wednesday and, and looked better, but once he is fully healthy, what do you do here with this, I guess, starting five combination with three good for three guards for only two spots? Rajan goes back to the bench. I don't think Ezra Cleveland has played any sort of way where, or Reisner has overplayed him where Reisner takes a spot. And I don't think he's played well enough to take Ed Ingram's spot either. You have the continuity, but this also gives you the flexibility to really make sure Ezra is a hundred percent healthy. Maybe if, if Reisner stunk up on Monday, you might rush him back a little bit and play him at 90%. You don't have to, you can have the luxury of, Hey, Reisner's playing well, take an extra week off, really get that foot healed and then we'll go forward. But it, it's a great luxury to have and you're going to need Reisner at some point at another position or back at left guard by the end of the season. But just because one person ends up playing well, it's the whole backup quarterback conundrum. Just because the backup quarterback plays well doesn't mean you should replace the starter. Like He's there. He's the backup. He did his job. And then the starter gets his job back. It, we're not talking about a Tom Brady situation. Reisner was good, but Ezra Cleveland's proven himself to be a top five, top 10 guard in this league this season. And you, you just don't give that job away when he had a midfoot sprain. It's not like right. he did something to completely uh, crater his athletic ability or strength. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom. And it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. Well, and I, I think uh, just as far as the potential future guys, uh, you know, Cleveland almost certainly is not going to return. I think he's going to get a big payday el- elsewhere. And I think mm-hmm. that there might be a team that actually gives him a chance back at his college position of left tackle. So Reisner being in the building is, is not a bad thing if he if he likes it here because he's not an old player. He could certainly sign like a three-year contract and be the starter at left guard in 2024. So like mm-hmm. it – it makes sense. It's just refresh. It's refreshing to see the line playing well. Now, here's the question. Assuming no trades are made here, and, and we'll talk about trades, but for no, assuming no trades are made and assuming that the running back committee continues, and, and we did see more of a committee on touches on Monday, especially with Akers now joining Madison. What is your assessment in watching film of where the run game is at from a running back standpoint. And is the trend that we saw on Monday a positive step? Because this team at the end end of the day right now, you guys, is 30th in the league in rushing yards per game um, and for the season. That shouldn't be the case with, again, the offensive line being so good in run blocking. Yeah, it a lot of it has to do with those running backs and just not – being able to hit the hole and not being able to see everything as well as you'd like. Here's the wild thing. The Vikings have no rushes over 20 yards. They're still seventh in success rate. So they have percentage wise, they have the seventh most successful rushing attack per play. That's pretty good, but there's elements to it. You have to be able to have those running backs. Like there was a lot of discussion going into the game last week. The Vikings undervalued the running back position. I don't think they undervalued it. They picked the wrong guy. 
Uh, I've never been a big Alexander Madison fan. He looks good when you give him a long run. It's like, oh, yeah, he's some people are saying he's just as good as Dalvin Cook. No. In the six <laughs> starts he had replacing Cook, he had 70, averaged 79.5 yards rushing and half a touchdown. Yeah. That's fine, I guess. But when you watch him actually play the position, he doesn't really offer you any real explosiveness. He's He's got a, a little bit of grit about him where he, he will take like a two-yard run and make it a five-yard run because he'll engage that lower body and really drive forward. But his vision, I have never been a really big fan of. Cam Akers, what Cam Akers are we getting? Because week one for the Rams, he ran 22 times for 23 yards. And he's been massively inconsistent, especially ever since he tore his Achilles August of 2021. They say it's a two-year injury. So seeing him be more explosive now does make some sense. But I don't know if he's the long-term answer either. I'm still a big Ty Chandler fan, but it's obvious that they don't fully trust him yet, which is why you haven't seen him work in as much, especially since the Acres trade. It wouldn't shock me if they decide in like the top 100 to go take a running back this next year. Mm-hmm. It's not the strongest running back class in the world, but having a guy that you can trust to be a consistent player back there is so valuable. And right now, I don't know if the Vikings fully trust anybody to be that guy. And Madison, I, I think is losing a little bit of favor in that backfield. So uh, it is reckless speculation Thursday for no end. Mackie threw out the idea of trading a day two pick for Derrick Henry. Your initial thoughts on the Vikings buying Derrick Henry for a day day two pick? First off, I just want to say I I, I love Mackie. Mackie's a phenomenal guy. That's <laughs> this not going to be favorable. Judd. This is Judd thing. No, that that's that's an incredibly dumb idea. A day two pick for Derrick Henry? You're giving up a second round pick. You don't have a third round pick this right. year. Like, I'm yeah, sorry, no. Derrick Henry. No, <laughs> I, I'm completely out on that idea. Now, when you look at who you could trade for, I just wrote a big article for Vikings where yesterday talking about different players. The Vikings could trade for. I think you see a TJ Hawkinson like trade. If you're going to see one, it's either that or you get an aging veteran on an inexpensive contract to come in and help the pass rusher defensive line. Mm-hmm. Why not a chase younger Montez sweat? Ooh. So he, here's my theory. You have Daniil Hunter. You bring in Chase Young, who was the second overall pick in 2020, tore his ACL in 21. Mm-hmm. There was some other lingering damage in that knee, and he lost most of the 22 season. This year, he looks back to being that guy. People thought he was a better prospect than Nick Bosa coming out. And he was phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal at Ohio State. And if you bring him in as a 25-year-old, you give him an incentivated larger contract. You can still sign Daniil Hunter. And then you just, if you can re-sign Marcus Davenport and move him to five technique, ask him to gain five, 10 pounds and play at like two ninety, And he can be a massive disruption disruptor on the interior. And now you have those two edge rushers that you can count on for the next three to five years. That to me makes the most sense draft getting a guy who could be a long-term pillar for this franchise. Now, you can only do that so long because you still have to draft and you still have to be able to get guys on young contracts, especially in a salary cap league. But for where the Vikings are at, if you were to secure both edge positions and then have Davenport on the interior of that defensive line, that can be a massive benefit to your organization for a long time. You can do the same with Montez Sweat, 
was in his fifth year with the commanders as well. He's a couple years older. He's got 34.5 sacks in his career, five and a half this year. And he's a fantastic edge rusher as well. Um, if they don't do that and they choose the rental route, you got to go with Tier Tart, the defensive tackle from the Tennessee Titans. You remember that preseason game, the first couple drives, there was one guy who was always just destroying the Vikings offensive line. It was Tier Tart. It's because he got and, in a fight and they forced him to play in the game. Yep. If you remember that, he got in a fight and they, they kicked him out of practice. And then he was the only guy who was any good for the Titans that played on defense in that game. And he was fantastic. He's uh, 26 years old on the final. I, I think he's on like a $4.5 million contract. So it'd be prorated. They pay him less than $3 million for the rest of the year. And the Vikings have a shade under 8 million in cap space. So it's palatable. And you could uh, maneuver with the Titans and see if they would pick up like a little bit of cash on that. Hey, maybe we'll give you a fifth round pick instead of a sixth round pick. And you eat a million dollars in cap space. And I think that move could be a real difference maker. Because it's hard when you're talking about like a skill positions. Hawkinson was phenomenal last year, but based on everything that we know about football, he probably shouldn't have been that good because it's really hard to gain that kind of chemistry uh, like on the fly on offense on defense. You have a responsibility and you just follow that responsibility, especially on the defensive line. It's much easier to transition and translate from team to team during the course of a season. And I think that might be a really nice route to take for the Vikings. I think you just hit hit it. I think if, if they are going to, to make a trade and if they win against the Packers, I would not be surprised for sure. Um, I think if they're going to make a trade, it'll be on defense for no. And I think the positions that they could possibly look at are cornerback, uh, defensive end and defensive tackle. And I personally would have zero problem if they upgraded at any one of those three. Um, I, I also would love to see them, if they can do it, to the last thing that you just said, upgrade defensive tackle. Um, because here's the thing that impresses me, and, and, and we're talking about this, but we're probably not giving him enough credit. The transformation of this defense with Brian Flores has been, I mean, think about where they were a year ago, okay? And, and yes, Ed Donatel was a terrible hire and didn't work. But nonetheless, somebody had to come in and fix that. What Brian Flores has come up with and what he's gotten from a defense that has some good players, don't get me wrong, it's not talentless. That would be unfair to say. But it certainly had a lot of question marks. What he has come up with, what he has done, you know, against San Francisco, playing three safeties on every snap and at times playing four. Uh, Brian Flores has been worth his weight in gold to the, this team. And if I can help him upgrade personnel-wise, I think from Quazy to Kevin O'Connell to everybody, I'm saying, yes, give him more help because what he has done has really, I mean, when you look at what this defense has done compared to a year ago, it is super impressive to me. Let me ask you this, Judd. Why would you trade for corner? And I ask this because the Vikings have four young cornerbacks. They've all played relatively well. Why would we want to make a massive addition to that room when you have guys who are growing, developing, and playing well on very inexpensive contracts and you're going to have to spend more capital in order to do so? To me, like I get that if you were to acquire a guy like Pat Sertan, the second from Denver, it's a massive upgrade to the room. But why would you want to make that investment considering what you already have and how they've already shown real growth? 
when you have other positions of need that you really need to attack even more? Uh, because if I can get the right deal and I am going to be, and, and I mean, if the Vikings win on Sunday, they are going to be right in the midst of, of a mix for a playoff spot. They're only two games back at Detroit, which is incredible right now with a lot of division games left. I don't trust um, the Booth Blackman short term. So, but Blackman was playing a ton and now he's not and Booth is playing and he's looked improved, but I would, if I'm, Flores, I would love to get a short-term upgrade there of consistency that I know. So that's why. I think a Caleb Evans, to me, health provided has been really solid. Like, that looks like a hell of a draft pick. Um, Byron Murphy Jr. actually, PFF-wise, does not score well at all, but he's going to play. But if I could, but if I could get somebody that I trust a little bit more than, than what you've gotten from the Booth and Blackman team, I'm taking that because if I'm going to be a playoff team, I'm always looking to upgrade things I'm not certain about. So that's why. But yes, I mean, I'm not saying Sertan would cost you way too much. I'm not saying mortgage the future because I don't know how far this team can go. So if in doubt, I probably wouldn't make a trade. But I do think that cornerback is a position that I've heard that they are at least sniffing around. So. Oh, that's interesting. That that's the first I'd heard that they were sniffing around. I, I would leave the cornerback position intact because they are showing that kind of growth and the defense itself with how much pressure they garner can really help alleviate some of that pressure from the cornerback room. Mm-hmm. And to me, it, I'd I'd want to focus on the pass rush. But that, what's interesting is if you were to try to acquire Pat Sertan, well, well George Payton said he's a he's a franchise cornerback. And yeah, I'll yeah. never forget that line. Just one of the more hilarious things I've ever heard a general manager say. But to me, <laughs> focusing on that front seven, I think is should be the priority. And how Quasey chooses to do that, whether it be a really like a veteran rental, like you can get Justin Houston from Carolina Panthers for like a seventh, sixth swap. And last year, oh, 300 pass rushes. He had like uh, pressures on like one every like, I think it was like every nine pass rushes, which is a fantastic rate. Forty-two pressures. That's what it was. And like you don't have to play him every like more than forty percent right, right. of snaps. Bring him in on third downs to just let him do his thing. That sounds pretty good to me. Tyler, how do you think the game goes against the Packers on Sunday after a big win against the Niners? The Niners also beat you up. I know there's the stat that teams that play the or teams that after they play the Niners don't have a great week the next week. Obviously, the emotional high of the win. I think Vikings fans are all, you know, kind of, uh, kind of assuming that they're going to go on a run here because there is indeed a soft spot on the schedule. But how do you see this game uh, playing out against the Packers and Lambeau? Are the Vikings going to wear the right cleats this time? <laughs> I saw a thing about I, this. I, from yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Um, the one interesting thing for me is Matt Lafleur is a Shanahan disciple, so. Uh, he worked with Shanahan, he worked with McVay, but he definitely leans more towards the Shanahan style as far as how he likes to run his offense. And the Vikings literally just played Shanahan. So they're going to see that and they're going to be able to have counters for a lot of the stuff the Vikings did. But how are they going to treat Jordan Love differently than how they treated Brock Purdy? Because they've treated quarterbacks differently in how they bring pressure every single week. It's not like the Mike Zimmer days where Zimmer's going to run his defense. Flores is really adjusting his game plans per quarterback. Is he going to want to try and torch Jordan Love? Because what's interesting about Love is he is like second in intended air yards at 9.5 yards per pass. And he's like 30th in EPA. 
it, it's he's just got this wild dichotomy of what they're trying to do versus what they're actually successful at doing and seeing that is utterly fascinating because it's not like they're not trying they're just bad at it and how are the Vikings going to try and attack him are they going to try and bring a lot of pressure and just make him hit throws are they going to pay like hey here's drop eight figure it out they have young receivers young tight ends like we're talking Christian Watson Romeo Dubs they're second year guys Luke Musgrave Tucker Craft Dontavian Wicks Jaden Reed they're all rookies it's not exactly an experienced receiver core. So maybe Flores thinks, hey, I can get away with blitzing because it's not like we're facing the creme de la creme of receivers. There's not a lot of veteran presence in those rooms. And because of that, I think we could take advantage of it. Great stuff, man. And as always, check out Tyler's work and uh, the outstanding work that the entire staff, including me, does. Vikingswire.com. Vikingswire.com. Uh, we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Declan, tell the people what they need to know before we hit the road. Yep, this is Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment. We'll be back for a feedback Friday tomorrow.